You have to depend on the people who are building it uh, with you, not on top-down money. And the second thing, and this is really just as challenging, is we all know that it can be very, very emotionally and physically draining to be an activist, to be working to make a better world in the world where it's so hard to to move forward and you're opposed in so many different ways. And and the answer to that, I think, and we have found, is to develop groups that work together uh, to provide emotional support to each other. Um, And and we call that work, we we do social therapy. Social, because unlike you know traditional psychology, which locates your emotional life inside your head only, uh, we really believe that um, emotionality is something like the same as um, automobiles or or operas have been created by human beings, and we can re we can take those emotions and and work to to reorganize. Them. Imagine Action Podcast. Creando comunità trasformativa. Social arts across borders. Crediamo che l'immaginazione. Building transformative communities for future. Nosotros creemos che l'immaginazione è il diritto universale. In the Imagine Action podcast, and we have a special guest today, which is Dan Friedman. Um, and Dan uh, wrote a book about performance activism and and we have this like one minute challenge of summarizing your book um how would you do that how would you summarize this book okay well for those of you who have visuals here is the book uh it's 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 called performance activism precursors and contemporary pioneers and it's as far as i know the first full length book study of this phenomena called performance activism, which I see emerging around the world, both in the global north and the global south. Um, it, it's broke, and what I mean by performance activism, very briefly, it's a, we can go into more depth later, is when people outside the, con- the institutional constraints of the theater perform together, create ensembles in order to engage social and cultural and political issues. Um, and the book is, uh, has three parts. The first part is uh, sort of a, th- a theater history in that it unpacks how performance uh, loosened its ties to the institution of the theater, it began to be used in all sorts of ways, in education, in therapy, in, in politics, in, uh, in, uh, even in, in physical healing. And uh, the second part of the book is more journalistic. It, it, it takes a huge um, look at a very broad look, let's say, at all at, at performance actors and going on around the world um, from both rural and, and urban centers in, in many different cultures uh, and breaks it down by what impact that work is having. Um, and I go into more detail. And then the third section is, um, which is called Reperforming the World, takes a deep dive into the kind of performance activism that emerged around the Castillo Theater, where I was the artistic director, and the Eastside Institute, which is a, a research and training center in, in performance activism, and how it emerged there and why, and, and how, what it has in common with other performance activisms, and what has what's distinct about it. I don't know if that was a minute, but that summarizes the three parts of the book. It was pretty close. It was pretty close. And I think, you know, the, the challenge is the important part, not the, the, the exact time. But I, I think true. <laughs> uh, I, I loved it. And I, I you know, um, you know, just recently we're, we're recording that and Peter Brook uh, died in 93 yes. years. And, um, and it's interesting you said about how performance untied its um, connection with the theater in a way. Um, and and I think definitely he was one person to 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 do that. Um, so recognizing uh, his contribution, yeah. Um, I I I'll, I'll give it to Nico. See, he, he had some questions about. Yeah, I think the, the, this question has been stuck with me because you sent me a very and uh, wonderful uh, two link uh, two links for about Zimbabwe, uh, chapter twelve and chapter thirteen link. Then mm-hmm. the other one was um, just. Yeah, just concussions. The stories about Zimbabwe, the, sorry, the theater, the theater makers about politics in Zimbabwe and stuff. So when I was, uh, I know, for me, I think this is what I was thinking um, when I, re- I read that, that chapter, like, 
Why Danis give me chapter 13? Where's chapter 1? <laughs> then I like, that, does that mean that I have to read this particular chapter? Because, yes, understand, it's about Zimbabwe, which means I'm from there. But, yeah, I was happy to see that. And, see, I was, so I look at it, was um, everything has changed a lot in Zimbabwe now um, than in the 70s, for example. Um, so, I, I was, at the end, I come up with this question. What is the difference you see between the new versus the old activism? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. I, and I think it's really an important question. It's sort of the cutting edge of, of the book. I, I think a lot of the activism that we've been, we meaning the tens of millions of progressive peoples around the world have been engaged in for so long is less and less working. Um, you can have huge demonstrations that have no impact on the governments. Um, the, the, the worldwide demonstrations against the invasion of Iraq, for example, were the biggest in human history, the, the largest simultaneous demonstrations, and the, the war happened anyway. Um, and I think that it, people get very frustrated with uh, the, lack, the disconnect in many, many countries between the popular will and what people are hoping for and dreaming and wanting and what the governments are, are being, are able to give them. And I think what performance activism does, it goes beyond againstism. You know, a lot of the protests, a lot of the exercises of power is we're against the war. We're against poverty. We're against racism. And we are against all that. But the question is, what do we create new uh, to reorganize the totality? And that's where I think performance activism comes in because what it is, is people playing people performing with each other, creating new possibilities by, by exploring. Uh, but it, you can, uh, if you say, what if, and try it, all sorts of um, doors open, all sorts of new imaginings can happen. And, and beyond that, all sorts of new relationships can happen. Because if you bring people together who, for example, are raised to hate each other or fear each other, or if you bring people together who have hurt each other, or if you just bring people together who are very different, you can each brings their history and their experiences and their, their, their way of seeing the world into the mix. And together by playing, by performing, by uh, being able to be both who you are and who you're not or who you're becoming at the same time, it, it's a, in some sense, I don't mean to get to use mystical language, but it becomes, it's magical. New things actually happen. Uh, people actually transform. Uh, people go through an experience together that allow and that generates hope and that creates new ways of relating to each other. And I think that it's, I guess, there's, there's very little discussion of this in progressive circles and there's not even a language for it. But I think there's basically two kinds of power. Deconstructive power, which is when people work together to bring something down and reconstructive power. And I think performance is key to reconstructive power. What we're doing is re-performing possibilities, re-performing the world. Um, so that's that's the difference I see. And uh, you know, yeah, I'll stop for now. <laughs> Thanks, great. Thank you. That's that's really powerful. That word. But I was looking at uh, in a in a different way, which means how the messages go across nowadays uh, because of technology. But you guys used to go knock the doors and, and I think I said that last week anyway. But yeah, I, I appreciate your answers, it really makes sense, it does. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that technology can be used. It's, and we, as we all know, under the, in the pandemic, we all discovered all kinds of ways to do performance workshops and performances and meetings on Zoom. But I also am a real believer that live people together uh, performing and playing and struggling with social issues. There's no no substitute for that. I was curious about when I see uh, one part says uh, D Diamond and Mahomad Wasem. Ah, Personal yes. communication, August 2020. Is that, uh, just take me there, is that a full page or pages of this communi personal communication? Or No, that's, that's I'm citing uh, a conversation. And so let me maybe get back up a little and explain how the book came into being, because that relates to this question. Um, I, when, I, when it says personal communication as a, a source in the book, it just means that I talked with them. Uh, 
in, in, in many cases via Zoom. Um, so a lot of the research in part two, uh, where we look at what performance activism does, was based on my having conversations with these activists uh, and, and learning and then transcribing what the conversation said. So yeah, and the, what, you're what you're referencing is a, a, a chapter uh, about people who have taken um, Augusto Boal's um, yes. Theater of the Oppressed and yeah. gone beyond the, the uh, dualism or the dichotomy of oppressor and oppressed to say that what really needs to be challenged is the patterns of behavior that we are all, all are trapped in. And uh, so what, uh, you know, what Daniel Mamposa and uh, Mohammed Joachim and David Diamond all have in common is that they have a go into communities and work with the, uh, the people in those communities to, on issues that they're interested in, but not just with, the, the people who are oppressed, but they try to get the entire community involved in the process of yeah. creating the play or coming to see the play and dialoguing on it. And it's, it's that's one of the one of the many ways that performance activism is, is being used. It's you know, I, I call that uh, creating community conversations. Um, but, there, there, you know, again, just to give the, the listeners a, a, an idea, in addition to that, I mean, the uh, other chapters in part two include using performance to help people learn and teach each other, politicizing people, getting them involved in political issues, building bridges uh, between, uh, between antagonistic communities. That, that chapter has you know, examples uh, of Peter Harris in, in, in Israel, working with Jews and Arabs. Uh, and it also has a thing about Dr. Laura Filani here in New York, who has brought together something called Operation Conversation Cops and Kids, where she brings policemen and young people of color from the poor communities together in a, in a theater workshop where they can perform and use performance as a way to get beyond uh, their fear of each other. Um, creating communities of conversation, healing, healing trauma. That, that chapter has a lot to, that, um, that Imagine Action is involved with Hector, your, your founder in doing work in Colombia. Um, it, it also has, has uh, a part of it uh, is set in India among the uh, Sanjay Kumar and the Pandis who, who work with, um, in, in this case, young people in a, in a slum where a rich, pe rich people around the slum literally killed the kids and ate them. Uh, and then the surviving kids work through performance to, to work on that, that trauma. Um, Reigniting creativity is another thing that performance activism can do, does, and that bring, brings you know it's people who go into the prisons and into refugee camps and places where people have had their their hope and their imagination and and starved or beaten or bombed out of them, and, and using performance and play as a way of of reopening that human ability to to be creative and imaginative, and building community, which is. Uh, I think a very, very important thing that performance activism can do. It can actually create connections that weren't there before and um, uh, find new ways of relating. And that's what that chapter is about. So, so yeah, that's all the different um, categories. And again, there's lots more that I wasn't, wasn't able to cover that are in the book. Um, and and, when, and uh, when you asked earlier, Nico, about uh, the chapter one, yeah, I would love you to be able to read chapter one and all the chapters because what we do in part one is we look at all the thing. I look at all the things that have gradually, um, as we said, allowed theater, I mean, allowed performance to do something other than putting on a show or, or telling a make-believe story in front of a passive audience. And that included everything from the agitprop movement in the early days of the Soviet Union where literally millions of people created their own plays and brought them out in the streets uh, the improv movement, improvisation, and how imp impactful that's been Thank in the you. 20th century. Uh, and I could go on, so social, you know, psychodrama, the happenings, beings, flash mobs, performance art in the 60s, uh, and the avant-garde theater, and then the, the 1960s as a historic cultural period where experimental theater and experimental ways of living sort of impacted in, in, in on each other in very profound ways that I think allowed lots of other people to begin to use performance in new ways. So that, that, that's a more in-depth description of the book, I guess. 
And 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 you know, Nico, I don't know if if it answered your question, but I I, I just want before to to say uh, it's great to hear uh, David Diamond, who was also a, someone in our mentoring program we ran yes. for the first time. Uh, Nico was participating, and he was actually also the first guest in this podcast. So um so uh, you know very influential and i i love this question of dualism and in theater of the oppressed and i i basically started with theater of the oppressed i still do theater of the oppressed but i'm also resisting because of that um difficulty that comes with language and you know there's this uh young social um researcher and she's trying to interview me about theater of the oppressed and in my grid and i said yes that i'll do it although i said like i'm using other things as well and <laughs> i'm kind of resisting it uh, a lot because of the this tendency and it's a little bit in the language itself you know it's and that's a trick of using that language you know theater of the oppressed um mm-hmm. is that it it um it has a whole logic to it why to call it like that um mm-hmm. but it also creates this trick of there is oppressed and there are oppressors like it it creates that um dichotomy uh and um and that creates a lot of limits because the world is more complex than than oppressed and oppressor uh the, you know it's not a one or the other and there is also something that lives inside of us so the our oppressor even if you know we're oppressed and we're all could be oppressed in some ways and oppressor in other ways it lives inside of us our oppressor lives as well as um so uh, this complexity so just connecting with this healing trauma which for me meeting hector made a big difference meaning the kind of theater of the oppressed that Hector does because it connected my outer motivation, my activism. And at the time I would say I was more old activist kind of acting and, and, and that because I came across injustice and, and I wanted to change that. Um, but what I didn't understand until I met Hector is that there was some, there was a, the conflict was happening inside of me. <laughs> and so so there was a whole world happening inside and, and the doing outside without the inside uh, made me, um, I don't know what it made me, but it definitely didn't make my action really uh, authentic in a way uh, because there was a lot of uh, kind of blind spots. In, there are still a lot of blind spots. So, uh, and, and, and I'm really fascinated with this so there is this quote and i'll just read it performance is more than acting on stage or screen indeed many see performance itself as a viable route to the transformative social and cultural development our world so desperately needs and this is from the blog post you wrote um and i guess i have two questions what is the the transformative social and cultural development our world so desperately needs for you? And then how can performance, uh, performance as something that is more than acting on stage, be a viable route for, for that? Great, great. Um, yes. And, and before I answer those directly, I want to go back a minute to, to um, the, the dualities of theater of the oppressed and your encounter with Hector and learning that the, or sensing or feeling that the, the work wasn't just outward, it was also within. But I wanna challenge another duality there, which is inside, outside. Um, I, I very uh, feel very strongly that, that that's also false, that we, we, we don't have an inside and an outside, we are inside and outside simultaneously. The world shapes us and we shape the world. We internalize things and then we, we are able to re-contribute uh, to the world in new ways. And, and that ties in to the question of um, the transformative power of performance. Um, because I think that what that transformation is, is the, um, because we can play, because we can simultaneously be inside and outside and simultaneously be who we are, who we've been shaped to be by the world we grew up in and who we're becoming. Performance gives us a space, an activity, a 
a relationship with others where we can do other than what we've been socialized to do, where we can explore new possibilities in the course of the workshop, in the course of the, of the performance, in the course of coming together. Um, what kind of, what changes do I think the world desperately needs? I think uh, uh, in some senses, we all know what those are. We need to save the planet, the human beings from destroying our planet. We need to eliminate the humongous, shameful gaps in income and opportunity that poverty and that the economic system we have worldwide has, is, is engendering. We need to find a way to end trying to resolve our differences with violence. Um, we need to engage all of the social um, oppressions that have uh, been built up over the years, racism and anti-Semitism and sexism. How to get there? What should take its place? That's, I go back to the notion that, and that's also connected to performance that I don't know. I mean, the, the, the revolutionaries of the 20th century thought they knew and, and with all the best intentions in the world and with tremendous amount of bravery, they fought revolutions that, that didn't work. And I think that in part they didn't work because they didn't engage, as you say, Yuri, the subjective. They didn't engage the in development of individuals, the growth of individuals. Uh, and so people maybe got a new government or they, and they even got changed who owned the factories, but they didn't change all those old patterns of behavior. I got that term patterns of behavior, by the way, from David Diamond. Uh, and in his point being that you can't really um, have lasting change if we on the grassroots level aren't working to, re to transform how we relate to each other as men and women, as white people and black people, as rich people and poor people. Um, and that the way to engage that is through the non-ideological activity of playing and performing together. It isn't that people don't go into performances uh, and workshops with their values and views, they do. But it, it's not unlike the older form of activism or revolutionary activity that attempted to um, define the world through a set way of seeing it and thought it had the solutions and this is what we need to do. What I love about performance activism and it's many, many variants is that people don't go into it necessarily to teach the right answer, but to discover something together. And it's that ongoing activity of together discovering what we can build and what we might dream about and what we might wanna do together that, um, that is so powerful about it in my opinion. Does that um, answer your question or questions? Um, yes, yes. You know, it, it, it makes me think about, um, yeah, this moment we live in, in Earth's history, in our history, which is a shared history, uh, no matter how much we would like to see ourselves as separate, then <laughs> um, this, this is where we came to being. And that's, um, is that, yeah, it's, you know, I was just the sea the other day and there was this whole bunch of seaweed, which was kind of, yeah, it made the sea really ugly and, and also un, unpleasant. And we're just reading about this toxic seaweed and I was getting these images of the, the sea becoming toxic and, and uh, you know, and, and, and asking myself, would, would we, would we, would we have still gas, liquid gas? Will we, will we transfer liquid gas on acid seas? Like, would we continue uh, this destruction as it's already happening? Like, it, on, and what can make us stop doing that? <laughs> you know, like um, uh, right now, the the situation is, you know, we there is a war between Ukraine and Russia, and one of the main thing that it seems to be like the because the, the West, although it, it does hold the majority of economic power, is not able to impose economic sanctions because it's completely hooked on the gas and oil directly and indirectly. So, you know, and it cannot let go of it, you know, uh, and it, it's unable to let go of that. And I think it's so interesting. And at the same time, the, the, the rest of the world 
the, 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 the developing world, so-called, is hooked on grain from Ukraine and Russia. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and, and um, so it's so much like we are so hooked up on our own system that we, we just continue on, you know, we, will we just continue killing each other and aciding our seas until there is none left? Um, you know, and and I keep thinking about ants. You know, you know, sometimes when you, you know, you know, sometimes you have ants in your house and, and you put some spray, and and you see the ants, they kind of they go, they keep coming back to the trap. You know, like they keep going to the trap. You know, like are we like that? <laughs> are we like ants that will keep kind of going into the same trap? And um, or is there another way? Um, yeah, well, that's that's that is the question. And I think that it's very hard to, um, to change those global structures, economic and political structures uh, at this point through, through old ways of being against them. Um, I mean, I live in a country where, you know, forests are burning out of control, where uh, drought lakes are, are, are evaporating um, and where in some ways it feels like United States is committing suicide um, on all sorts of levels. The most obvious one being the mass shootings that happen almost every day where some crazy kid takes a rifle and kills people for no particular reason or for a particular hateful reason. And this just goes on and on. How do we, how do we reverse that? Can we reverse that? My answer is I don't know, but, and, and I come out of a, a Marxist tradition. So I, I always think that uh, I, I do believe that economically we have to restructure the world so that it's not based on profit. But that's where we get to uh, fossil fuels coming before human life. But we can't just be against what is. We have to figure out what is a better way of doing it. And we have, so in the final analysis, we may have to have a political revolution, but we're, we're far away from the, the final analysis and it's gonna take an awful lot of cultural change for people to be able to engage that, to want to engage that, to not just fall into the despair of opioid addiction and violence and hate. And, and changing that cultural attitude, those ways of seeing themselves and each other has, in my opinion, everything to do with getting them to perform and play together in, in new ways. And that if we can do that, I think play performance activism can be a, sort of a chemical reaction on the ground where people in many, 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 many um, environments begin to see things a little bit differently and connect up with others who see things a little bit differently. So in the end, I, I gave up a long time ago on mega answers that, oh, we need to overthrow capitalism and replace it with socialism as if I knew what socialism was or could be. That was um, what I do believe is that human beings can actively and creatively reshape themselves and the world. And that that involves breaking down what you call the inside-outside dichotomy, what I call the inside-outside dichotomy, and also breaking out of the um, us-them, um, and also breaking out of hope and despair, because we have to be able to hold hope and despair in the same hand all the time with, with authenticity, because that's what we have to work with in the world. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's, that's a powerful image. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know, Nico, do you have, um, I saw you unmute before if you want to follow up. Uh, um... Well, for me, it's, it's, it's not a question. I think my questions are done. I just enjoy listening to Dan talking. And yeah, it gives, yeah. Thank you proper questions yeah just um i like what Uru was talking about mentioned um, the way we're living now the oil something I'm, i never done theater before i never direct theater but something came to my mind when i was told that because i was looking on the documentary in nigeria where people um the oil has spread it to this field and it's you know I mean, yeah. it's, it's a big mess and yes. and creating skin disease and the gangsters all that stuff it's just a mess um I was thinking, yeah, imagine someone, I'm waiting to see what theaters they've got this year in the Edinburgh Festival. 
I want to see someone light himself on fire, but not really fire, but kind of like, uh, uh, yeah, like a play, but not like, not a real fire. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yes. I, I mean, theater, that is the putting on of a show for people to come and watch, can impact on people as an experience. I, I think a lot of us who come out of, uh, call it what you will, uh, political theater, theater for social change, social theater, it has different names in different parts of the world. Um, uh, put too much, uh, we're unrealistic about what the experience of seeing a show can do. It, it can impact on people, but it, it can't, it can't change things in an ongoing way. Um, uh, it, I mean, the, the theater people in, in, in every country have been in some ways more ed, creative and, and humane than the political leaders. But what can change is if uh, things in an ongoing way is if people are playing with new possibilities together all the time. So like, for example, in the case of Nigeria, let me make mention of an organization there called um, Street Foundation which is a, a program that started out in Lagos um, where this woman, Rita, went into the, uh, you know, the, the, the slums, the poorest neighborhoods and found young people who wanted to perform and then created workshops for them to develop their skills. And at first it was just sort of like a, a talent thing to give people who had skills a way to make a living performing. When I say just, that's, that's a very big thing. That doesn't mean just. Um, and she has now developed whole what she calls performance boot camps where she holds two and three week sessions with young people from poor communities learning how to create skits how to improvise how to perform and how to create uh activities that project what they would like the world to be and this has led to tremendous development among the young people that she's been able to impact on so again it's not that is not going to solve in and of itself the the, the poisoning of, of Nigeria by the oil companies, but it does, it is an ongoing activity in the midst of that ruin and violence. Um, and of course, we also know Nigeria has tremendous violence in the north with, with terrorists, religious terrorists. Um, but, but that kind of activity, um, I think, is, is, is an embodiment of hope, it is the creation of hope. It's not, hope isn't just a an emotion in your head it's an activity and i think when people come together to play and create new possibilities together including new possibilities about who they are and what they can do together uh, that is hope in this very dark world okay i i don't know if i could done this already it's like um so what do you do like here like now I, I, I know you talk about people reading as books, a short, short pages of the book on, online. Uh, very soon, is that the way you're getting people engaged in your books and writing? Uh, yes, that's one of the ways, um, it, and this is another one of the ways. Just be, and I'm really grateful to you, to you both, and to uh, Imagine Action for giving me a, a, a little platform here to talk about all this. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, well, that, that's a big challenge. <clears throat> I wrote the book because I knew all these folks around the world, who, and I know them in many different ways, including I helped organize a, a conference called Performing the World, starting in 2001, which brought together people who use performance and play in all sorts of ways, in education, in, in politics, in, uh, <clears throat> in therapy, in medicine, in youth work. And they would come every two years and share their work and get a network. And, uh, <clears throat> and then there, and then there's, since then, there's also play, perform, learn and grow, a similar kind of conference that's based in Europe, uh, where I, 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 I must have met you, Yuri, there, but I, you looked familiar when I saw you, but I don't remember, but you, we, we, we both attended those conferences. Um, and so I, you know, I use that network to try, which I have, tried to um, describe the work of many people in that network in the book. Uh, I was very fortunate to be, to be able to teach a course in 2017 uh, called Performance Activism at Harvard University in, in, up in Boston. And what I did for that class was interview on Zoom on a big screen that the university is very rich. So they had a screen as big as a, 
a wall. And I, I interviewed Hector, for example, and, uh, and I interviewed um, some, uh, Sanjay Kumar in India and, uh, and uh, you know, Daniel Lamposa in Zimbabwe and all these places and then in front of the class and then the class asked them questions and all of that was transcribed and that became the core of the book it was I there were so many people doing such good work who don't know about each other who don't know that they are part of this grassroots I call it a movement although it's not a movement in the sense of having a strict program and knowing what it wants but it's a movement because it's a new way of trying to engage social issues and problems and people are co-discovering it all, all at the same time or creating it all at the same time without knowing it. So the book is in that sense, uh, an introduction of the performance activism movement to itself. Um, and I was, one of the things that was, and I've been working on the book, you know, on and off since, you know, seven years, but it took the pandemic to the lockdown. And what I would do during that is I got up very early every morning. I was in a house with six other friends that we <clears throat> were sort of our own bubble. But I worked on the book pretty much nonstop every day for, uh, you know, for about seven or eight months and, and got the writing all done. And uh, so but then it's very frustrating as anyone who has gets a book published by an academic publisher, because the academic books are really expensive. Um, this book, for example, if a hard copy costs $119, I consider that not only ridiculous, but a crime, but I couldn't get it published by myself or get the, what they do with this, why they charge so much is they sell it mostly to libraries, you know, um, which is great because there'll be scholars and other interested people who can read them, but it doesn't get it to the people who I really want to get it to, which is ordinary people and, and performance activists on the ground around the world. So there is this, this online seminar I'll be doing this summer. And even if you're hearing this podcast after it starts, it starts on this coming Sunday, uh, July 10th, you can join it after that. Um, and you can, you could just write to me at uh, my email, which is Dan Friedman NYC. That's at Gmail. That's uh, D-A-N-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N-N-Y-C at Gmail. And I'll, I'll, find a way to get you into the seminar. But beyond that, that, that's also obviously quite limited. I also have a website where I have posted the introduction and chapter summaries. That's all I'm really allowed to do by the publisher at this point. But I, I am going to just, uh, you know, hope word of mouth gets out. You can, you can download chapters from the publisher Palgrave at a much less cost and, and read it that way. And I hope in some way, eventually to be able to find a way to get it to the people who, who really need it the most. Um, and that and the work of the Eastside Institute where I'm on the faculty is, is also another way to not only, well, maybe specifically, you know, get what's in the book, but the methodology that's um, defining much of performance activism, the, the, the building of groups, the finding ways to play and perform as a way of developing is what the Eastside Institute's all about. And you can go to its website, eastsideinstitute.org, and they offer us classes and workshops and online conversations, many of them free. Uh, not all of them free, but at a very reasonable uh, price when they're not free. And you can, and people can learn a lot about this approach through uh, going to the website of, of the Eastside Institute and maybe taking some of its classes. Yeah. But you know that, yeah. You're welcome. I mean, that's uh, that's for all of us who are, who are trying to change the world in in creative, positive ways. It's it's always been hard to get the word out, and mm -hmm. uh, and I, and I must, we we don't have access to network to cable television and network TV and radio, and uh, we just don't have the money for that. That's another problem: is that only those with vast sums of money control the major ways that people's culture is shaped these days. Um, so what we can do though is build on the ground and and try to create new things through performing together. Yeah, this is awesome. Like we we, we had a, a in depth conversation last week that um, um, maybe we can even release some parts of that. But I there, there is a lot of stories uh, there that I carry, and uh, you know our time is is almost up. But I think like. Yeah. This question that came for me last week, um, 
was around kind of how do we make this work sustainable um and which is something we're still also figuring out with imagine action you know so we're kind of dislocated or co-located in different parts of the world um doing a lot of work online but a lot of work in person when possible each of us in their own context and 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 set of skills you know so nico is a comedy comedy host uh and and you know um I, I work with theater of the press, also social pressing theater, storytelling, drama therapy, all sorts of um, arts. You know, we, we use this expression social arts, which I think is kind of similar to performance activism. Uh, maybe um, there, maybe there's an, um, some, some, you know, subtles around it, but I think like the main intention is basically the same um of of that 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 place the transformative space you you mentioned today around um that possibility that we're that we have through through um yeah performing not just being a spectator in a play or or an actor in a play but actually you know being uh, as as Boal would call it a spect actor like someone that observes and acts in the world in a in a in a fuller way and kind of awakening um yeah, yeah. i to, to, to that question lots of people most of the people who i meet who i say oh you're a performance activist say i am uh it's not a phrase that's that's commonly used I, I i essentially i made it up because i just wanted to have something that that covered all the kind of work that you're talking about that involves people as more than just a passive audience member. And there's so many different variations of it, all of them with their own you know, legitimacy and integrity. And I don't mean to question any of that, but I do wanna give a, a broader label so that we can see the, what we have in common, which is using the, you know, as you say, the transformative space of performance to involve people in, in, in more than just being taught a lesson, but, but, but to creating something new together and realizing that they can be creative and that they can generate new possibilities. And to go back to your question of sustainability, I know we're running out of time, so I'll, I'll try to make this short. That is the other real big issue, uh, not just for performance activists, but for all sorts of progressive activism. How do you keep it going? Uh, because obviously being able to um, um, prevent the world from being poisoned and to prevent the world from killing itself through wars and poverty and violence is a multi-generational task. We're not gonna get it done uh, in any of our lifetimes. I'm much older than you, but uh, it's going to be something that's gonna to have to take a, a while. And how do we generate and keep going this kind of work that I think that we think on some level agree is, is important for the world. <coughs> And it, it, it's, I don't have a, again, it's not a pat answer. We've been able to keep up our work at the Eastside Institute and the Castillo Theater for 50 years. And, and I'll just give that as an example, but not because it's a model, but because it's something that has worked. Is we, um, we work really hard to maintain financial independence, meaning that we did not, um, we have never taken government funds or foundation funds from, from big uh, you know, corporate foundations to, to do our work. Because on the one hand, it, it just always comes with strings and with bureaucracy. And, and secondly, because to us, the activity of raising money from ordinary people, which we did, and we did talk about this in our pre-conversation last time. Uh, so I, won't, I don't wanna uh, take too much time, but what we did was we went on the streets of New York City, uh, set up tables, uh, and with clipboards and talk to people and told them what we wanted to do to create this kind of theater and ask them to give money for it or to get involved in building it. And we literally uh, did that for about a decade and raised $1, $5, $10 at a time, enough money to, to build this theater. And eventually we got people who could give more money. But so one thing, and again, it's very different in different countries. I mean, I know even in different cities in America, in New York has a lot of street um, traffic, people walking around all the time. That isn't true in a place like Dallas, Texas, for example, where everybody drives cars. And it certainly isn't true in countries that are primarily rural. So you have to find other ways of, um, of, of sustaining yourself financially. But I think you have to depend on the people who are building it uh, with you 
not on top-down money. And the second thing, and this is really just as challenging, is we all know that it can be very, very emotionally and physically draining to be an activist, to be working to make a better world in the world where it's so hard to, to move forward and you're opposed in so many different ways. And, uh, and the answer to that, I think, and we have found, is to develop groups that work together uh, to provide emotional support to each other. Um, and, and we call that work, we, we do social therapy. Um, social, because unlike you know, traditional psychology, which locates your emotional life inside your head only, uh, we really believe that um, emotionality is something like, the same as um, automobiles or, or operas have been created by human beings. And we can, re, we can take those emotions and, and work to, to reorganize them as well. And just, but, but basically to support each other. And this is, you know, it's not just therapy like, oh, I, I, I feel depressed today, but it's also things we have what we call health teams. When people get sick, well, we don't let them get sick by themselves. We, we, we organize a group of people to meet with them regularly and talk about how to interact with their doctor. What are the options? How are you feeling about that? Oh, you, it looks like you're going to have to do chemotherapy for the rest of your life. Let's talk about that and why. And and we and we've created all kinds of groups to to give each other the emotional support and social support necessary to keep going. And and a lot and we also bring performance to that. We say, you know, um, all right, you're 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 very angry, but you don't have to act angry. Just because you feel angry doesn't mean you have to punch somebody in the face. Why don't you take that that energy and try something else? Why don't we, why don't we write a poem together about it, and so on? And so it's a it's it's a lifelong activity to create those kind of networks and that kind of support. Um, but again, I think both the financial independence, so that we aren't co-opted or controlled by the very forces we want to change, and building community, finding ways to to live and work day to day with people. Uh, in creating new things together in a sustained way, it, uh, are the are, are from again from our experiences at the Castillo Theater and the Eastside Institute, um, uh, what has worked, and again, I'm a long time ago gave up thinking that there's one model, but those were sort of the two working principles: build groups together to support each other and stay as pos as financially independent as you can. Yeah, and, and just to, to, to invite people also at this uh, occasion, if you're listening, you came until the end, uh, you want to support uh, Imagine Action on Open Collective. We have a, a, fun, um, a fun fundraising uh, collective, which we hope also to, to use to actually fund small projects on the ground in the future, uh, as well as our regular activity, maintaining the blog and podcast. And I also thought today will be a good day to invite people to, to be guests, uh, to, to write together this uh, story of Imagine Action. So uh, Dan um, wrote a blog post uh, about the book, about the meeting. Um, so if you want to be a guest author for our blog or uh, on the podcast, be a guest. So, so if you are, have a social arts, applied theater, performance activism story or project to share and write with us, uh, yes. then you can write to us on projects uh, at imagineaction.org. And um, yeah, who knows? Maybe that will become a book as well because, you know, the, then I yeah. thought about it. Oh, the, the, your, your book is basically conversations. And, yes. uh, um, and so who knows? Maybe we're writing a book, Nico. I, <laughs> I don't know if you thought about it before. but <laughs> uh, Yeah, well, I, I encourage you to do so. The more people that, that get things down on paper and to share on it in all sorts of ways, podcasts, written books, whatever, it, it, the more important it is. And I just want to jump in and, and re-emphasize those of you who want to support Imagine Action, contribute some money. You might not have very much money, but if you and a hundred and a thousand and 10,000 other people contribute what you can, they're going to be able to continue to grow and expand their work uh, in a way that's um, authentic and, and, and uh, not compromised. But that's only possible if we all help in whatever ways we can. And uh, so please, uh, how do they make a contribution, Yuri? 
Um, yeah, we, we, we now have an open collective, which is a really interesting platform from kind of uh, holding a, a fully transparent budgeting of collective uh, work. So mm -hmm. uh, if you go to opencollective.com uh, and Imagine Action Net, but you can also find it on our homepage when you go to imagineaction.org. And the really on the homepage, there is a there is a link directly to the Open Collective, and you find the blog and the podcast and everything else. Good. I would like to say thank you to Darren for coming here because uh, you said something about uh, not only people joining, but people should be practical. I mean, like uh, get involved by writing a book or something. For me, since I joined these kind of um, podcast or meetings or groups, every time I get more encouraged to go to the theater. And I started doing some training courses for the theater without even knowing what I'm going to do. But I was impressed about um, one of your chapter about Zimbabwe um, theater, the founders and the actors and the guy called Daniel Maposa. I know your accent mine is very different, but it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's very nice. Yeah. Thank you. And, and in, in, in the spirit of continuing dialogue, I'm actually going to be doing a... a uh, an hour and a half interview of Daniel Mamposa uh, online in November. So, I, uh, and to find out the the details, you can go to the Eastside Institute uh, events page, uh, eastsideinstitute.org. And I, I also, again, in, in the spirit of dialogue, the Eastside Institute also has a, a podcast called All Power to the Developing, which has had um, a number of performance activists and others who use who use play and performance in various ways in their work as, as therapists, as teachers, as youth workers. So you might want to check that out as well. And I, and I think basically, you know, what is the podcast? It's, it's a conversation, it's a series of yeah. conversation and connections, and that's precious. Um, and I think maybe I'll, I'll leave people listeners in, uh, uh, in that, like, who can you have a conversation with today? Mm -hmm. um meaningful and uh yeah. that that that's a performance that yes. you're invited to to take after this show today actually this summer what are you offering is it like a group or yeah uh, it's like a like a reading group or if you want to get academic sounding it's an online seminar uh each each week um, people will read a short excerpt from the book no more than 20 pages. And then every Sunday morning, well, it's morning in New York. Every Sunday we will gather uh, and, and talk to each other about it and with questions and also learn about the, the work that the people who are in the seminar are doing. And it's, uh, we have people from, uh, from India, from, uh, from Taiwan, from uh, Nicaragua, from Brazil. Uh, it's, it's from UK and the United States and, uh, Oman. So it, it's very international and it should be a real interesting uh, gathering of people to talk about the performance activism and what's happening with it and what it is and how it came into being and how it's being used. If you like the podcast, like, share and subscribe to the podcast in Imagination. We believe imagination is our universal right and regeneration is our collective responsibility. Imagination.